Recording in progress. Good morning, everybody. It is wonderful to see everyone. We are going to be starting a completely new series um, this, the, this Sunday morning. And this is a series called A Crash Course in the Jewish Lifestyle. I feel this is so funny because everybody says, well, we know all these things. And the truth is, is that we really don't. And what I've been doing over the course of the last few years is that anytime there's a juncture, anytime that there's an important moment in Jewish life, what I try to do is I try to ask myself, what are all the questions that people, oh, that people would want to know? What are the kind of things that are what I call FAS, Frequently Asked Shilas? And, um, and what I've been doing is slowly building up over the course of time and, and writing down frameworks for each stage of life. And, uh, and then discussing it with people and, and giving them a sort of a cheat sheet of the, of the basics to have without all the complicated sources and without all the complicated details, just having the, the most basics addressed. And, and what I said to myself is that, why, why don't we just formalize this, turn this into a long trajectory, because I certainly haven't covered all the research. And a lot of people go through these stages, whether, whether the first time or second generation or third generation in, and, um, and there's so much to learn, there's so much to appreciate. So that's the idea. What we're going to start is there's actually 18 parts to the series. Okay, because life is, life is broad. We're going to go from birth to death and beyond. Um, and everything in between, yes, there's a lot beyond, because after death, there is, there is, there is burial, shiva, shloshim, um, yard sites, and beyond that, then we can also start talking about things like Hanukkah, Sabayas, Siyams, graduations, anniversary, other pieces of life, which hopefully we'll, we'll be able to, 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 to bring in afterwards. There's a lot of, there are really a lot of very fascinating, we'll call milestones in life, which are enhanced, elevated, and uh, expressed through the our learning in Judaism. I look forward to, to doing that with us. So here's the way it's going to work. Just the overview is that we're going to learn this idea, the ideas conceptually. We go through some halachic and some philosophical ideas. At the end, rather than use them as sources, I'm going to hand out what an FAS looks like, which is an FAQ, just with the, all the basics as a summary. So everybody has it over there. But I don't want to belabor people because I don't want this to be a look inside, look up kind of experience. I'd like it to be that we're, that we're learning and, and thinking together. I'd like to start off by thanking Suri. So, um, so I'm, uh, uh, Suri Davis has, has very kindly sponsored the series, um, the, the entire series. And um, it is uh, actually around now that Suri has three yard sites that are just around this time. We're, we're just beginning the stage first for her grandmother. And that, uh, my grandmother is Esther Basmanachem Mendel. And also coming up shortly is uh, Suri's father. And also just, just the day afterwards, or uh, the day before, is her grandson as well. So just a, a, uh, um, a, f- a whole life cycle, a whole life cycle of, of family. And uh, in commemorating um, Suri's grandmother, um, Esther, um, Bubi Davis, um, it, uh, just a, a little bit of perspective is, and this is so, it's so important, especially for those five Townses who've been here for many years, can appreciate that um, she was a person who was in the five towns many, many cycles back, uh, before it became what it is today. And um, she was a person who was really the Tom Cheshabbos in the five towns at the time, before it became popular. She didn't drive, but what she'd do is she'd make the chicken. She'd make the chicken soup, the potato kugel, the sponge cake, all the, de- all, all the Shabbos accoutrements. And she would, uh, she would put it into a grocery wagon and walk it to all the parts of the community and deliver it. And, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's obviously set the stage for much of the incredible chesed for those of us who live here and appreciate what that, what, where that comes from. There were many uh, founding fathers and mothers of this community, and one of them was 
Lvavim. In Yishmasa Eden, Meshavah Lechter Gagan Eden. We're gonna let, let, let's start. So we'll we start at the beginning a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of questions, and then back to philosophy as well. So uh, the, really, if we're going to focus on birth, it's fascinating. Most people don't have a chance to prepare or think so much about this. What I try so hard to do is that when I'm, when I, when I'm, so I'm in touch with a couple and they're at the stages of a late pregnancy, I try to reach out to say, well, okay, let's talk. Let's talk. There's a lot to, to talk about because there's so many things to, to consider. But... Um, the truth is actually really because it begins before that I'm going to just add one one very um, deep spiritual point and then we're going to get to the to the tail end of pregnancy but that is is that the the Torah tells us um, a passage which we all know but we, we perhaps just um, glide over the Torah tells us the beginning of Pasha's Tazria it says so it describes that when a woman will have children and then it describes the process of the halachic process that happens afterwards. And what is noted by the commentators is that there are two words to denote birth there. There's tazria and there's yolda. Those are two separate words. What do they mean precisely? So the Or HaChaim HaKadosh is a very fascinating essay, which I highly recommend that people who are able to, to access this take a, take a moment <coughs> to look at this. As he points out, based on the, the, the postage that Achar Vokedem Yetzartani, that forward and backwards God created us, is that there are two stages of creation. There's the, we'll call it the creation of the soul, drawing a soul down, and then there is the creation of the body, which is going to be the vehicle for that soul. So there's two parts to the, create, uh, to the creation process as it related to when, when God was doing that for us. That's what happened. And therefore, similarly, when we are as, so to speak, micro-creators, as God gave us the capacity of creation, we also do the same thing. And the first stage is called um, Tazria. The second stage is called Leda. Tazria is conception, and, uh, and that's the spiritual creation of the soul, whereas Yolda is the physical creation of the body uh, that is emerging into this world and is now being fused together with that soul. And it's, it's important to, to appreciate the difference in this because, and as the Rahama Kodesh points out, is that when it comes to the spiritual creation process, um, intent and, uh, and thought actually makes a difference, a huge difference when it comes to the creation process. So the, the thought of a couple at the time of the conception has an impact spiritually on the neshama that is going to be drawn down to this world, which is going to attach to the now forming biological body. So yes, we can track the spitting of the cells, we can, attract, we can track every stage of that pregnancy and project what it's going to be. That's the biological process of creation which has been sent into process, but there's also a soul which is going to be tethered to that body, to, to, that, to that vehicle. And the process at the beginning of Tazria, the earlier in the creation process, the more, the more consequential thought and ideas are, which is fascinating. Because unfortunately, most times in today's society, children are the afterthought. It's not that that, that was, the, that was the, the by the way, the byproduct um, of an experience. Whereas in, in Torah, Torah ideology, it's actually supposed to be the, for, the foremost thought. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of writing around what that is and the purity of this. In, in, in terms of architecture, you know, so imagine that you had a building and, uh, and, uh, and there was a mistake that was made. So you're, you're, you're putting up a house and then the architect comes to you and says, listen, we've got a problem. We chose the wrong doorknobs. So you say, okay, it's like a real hassle. You know, it's going to take, you know, but just go to, go to Lowe's and just buy new doorknobs and you'll just replace them. That, that's not the end of the world. The, pro the thing you don't want him to say is, well, you know, we have a little bit of a problem with the blueprint in the basement. 
right? <laughs> you, don't, you don't just go to Lowe's at that point in time. Now you've got a structural problem, right? Now you're going to have a code issue. Now you have a safety issue at hand. You can't just replace. You can't just figure that out. The earlier, the earlier in the process of creation, the more significant it is to that creation. Because when something goes wrong, then that, that, that could have longer ramifications. And that's the same thing with, with, uh, with, with the process of of conceiving and, and having a child. The earlier, the more consequential. We know this physically, right? So that's why um, mothers who are, who are carrying, who are, who, are, who are pregnant and carrying children, had to be so careful physically. Alcohol, ca caffeination, medications, right? That's the biological side of it, spiritually as well. Now, what, what is interesting is, is that the Orachim says, and you'll never read this passage to say the same again, um, is that the, the Orachim notes he says, that's, perhaps this is what is meant at the beginning of Parshas Lech Lecha. What does it mean? It says by Avram and Sarai at the time that they're making their way from the, the area of Mesopotamia between the Euphrates and Tigris. They're making their way down to this other area called Canaan under different rulers. And it says they bring along with them a nefesh asher asul becharan, the souls that they made in Haran. And we are all conditioned to understand that through Rashi's lens, which is that they, 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 they brought about all these people that had partisan Torah, Project Inspire, Eshat Torah, a Chabad. They were like, they were amazing. They just like had all these people gravitated towards them and they brought them along with them. And that's what we understand to mean. But the Arachim says, no. He says what, what it's referring to is the fact that Avram and Sarai, Avram and Sarai could not have children. They were, they were not biologically able to create a vehicle to house those souls but the souls are still being created. Which means that Nefesh HaSohar was all, so to speak, the spiritual creations that they had, but they did not yet, they were not embodied yet. They were not able to find uh, a place yet until later on when God facilitated that, which is a profound, profound observation. So before we even get to the, so to speak, childbirth itself, it's important to understand the earlier stages, just like we are careful in pregnancy about the biological, the health, the health care, one has to also be spiritually aware as well. And, and this is something which, which Judaism places a great emphasis on, um, although certainly not in a 101 um, Judaism reader. Uh, but it's, it's important to appreciate the significance of this and um, in, in the sense that there are three partners in a human being. Right, and, and it's always so funny because like when you look at the baby and you say, oh my gosh, it's like dad's eyes and mom's eyebrows and, you know, granddad's chin. And you're like, you look at all these things and you're like, it's amazing, right? And you're like, and then where did the character come from? <laughs> it's like personality is like, I don't know. <laughs> that's not mom, that's not dad, that's not, you know, there's going to be certain mannerisms later on as we condition, right? There'll be mannerisms which will, will be adopted. But base character, hard wiring algorithms, that's not us. And that's exactly the point is that that wasn't you. Character is a function of the soul. And the soul was not you. That was God. The question is, what are you drawing down into this world that it's going to be attached? That, that, that you're going to have to steward that soul to become who it is. But you don't have too much control of what that we'll call the, the hard wiring. Environmentalism, yes, you're going to provide the ultimate environment. But that, that, that depends on this idea over here. So now, that, 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 that's, so to speak, a, a, a precursor to this whole process. It's important to appreciate this because this is not... This is, this is not uh, this is not just um, at the end of the process, now we need to start figuring things out. So the question is, first the question is, are there prayers to be said during pregnancy? Now the answer is, of course there are. Of course there are. And the more that, that young people go through this process, 
the more the vulnerable they realize they are. And certainly one should pray, but are there specific prayers? And the truth is there are actually. So there, there are a number of tehillim which are recommended. Um, and I, I shall put them out in the, in the FAQ or FAS at the end. Where there's, a, there's a whole bunch of tehillim which are to be said. But also the Chida, Rav Chaim Yosef David Azulai, wrote many centuries ago a number of specific prayers to be said at the end of the first trimester, the beginning of the ninth month, and then during active labor as well. Mm. What's interesting is, is the way he framed it was the husband praying on behalf of the wife. Right? So it's, it's framed as, uh, uh, that certainly in active labor that makes sense. But it certainly doesn't have to be that way. It's not specifically only, uh, only husband oriented. It's, it's about certainly the wife, and that's the most powerful, most potent prayer. But just to give you a sense of some of the ideas that are included in them, and I'm going to hand this out at the end. The, the, in, at the end of the first trimester, the, the words that are, he includes are, he says, um, it's Let it be that the pain of pregnancy is going to be lightened. It's a very difficult process for many. It should be your mercy. This pregnancy should be in, 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 in health. There should be no miscarriage, God forbid. And, then the, and that all the limbs should form naturally. You'll notice that prayer is always when it's still possible to change. Yeah, as the, the Mishnah says in Brachos, you can't daven to have a, a, a male or female at the stage, right? Because that's a done deal, right? So that's, that's, not, that's, not, that's not something we, but we have this critical process of formation and growth that is something you can pray for because there's a lot that is still at, at stake <laughs> while we're around 12 weeks in. As you're entering the ninth month, then the, the prayer becomes more intense. And with all the introductions and, 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 uh, and epilogues, he, the, we add on over here, the tailored benakel, may it be the birthing, birthing is easy, belishum tsar, it should be without, any pain, but terem yavoha kol la vimlita ubra la chayim tovim shalom. The child should enter this world in peace and and health. Beshatava umazal tov lano vlevlad lo yerala vloy levlad shum tsar vshum nezek vshum mikre rachas. Shalom. There should be nothing that happens to the mother or the child in this process. So anticipating, looking at the end of this process, because now they're, 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 the lad is at the end of the tunnel. And during active labor, the 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 chida suggests reading. Um, the 20th chapter in Tehillim 12 times round. It happens to be that the wording or the vowelization of God's name has 12 different permutations. Not getting into that right now, but after that, saying a Yiratzon that is, that is describing that in the name of the matriarch Sarifka Rachel Leah, that Hashem should have mercy upon her, which is Karena Latova, which is Kedena Lebrachok, Keneha Lacha Tluyois. And Hashem, we're looking to you, to you. My wife is looking to you. And remember, in the, in the, we, we live in such an incredible age of medical technology. But even still, it's, it's, it's touch and go. Please, Akarish Baruch Hu, let this, let, let this be healthy. Let this be a healthy process. Let, let, let her have, have mercy. So there's a lot of that can be done. And a lot of people don't necessarily know or have the tools to know what it is that we're supposed to be saying. Let's, let, let, let's dig into some of the more practical questions that, that are said. So what happens if, um, so let's, let's frame it in the, in the way that questions are asked. So if I go into labor on Shabbos, what do I do? Um, so I'll tell you a little secret is that our first child, um, um, so that's our little Moshe, um, a number of years back, so and my wife's water broke as we said Shalom Aleichem. So that was the, <laughs> that, was the that was the beginning of the, of, of the process. So going back into this, so what do you do at that, at that stage in, in the game? In order to appreciate this, it's just important to, uh, to, to, uh, to understand 
that when a person is in a state of Sarkonis Nefoshos or Sophic Sarkonis Nefoshos, so a person is in a life-threatening condition or even a questionably life-threatening condition, then that person may be Mechalel or Mechaleles Shabbos. That's, that is very clear in Shulchan Aruch. And then the Shulchan Aruch specifically applies that to birth. Birth is seen as a, as a place certainly of Pikuach Nefesh. And the Shulchan Aruch adds a Kula and a Chumra to this. And it adds a, a leniency and a stringency to this at the same time. What are those? So the first thing the Shulchan Aruch points out, and this is all in Shulchan Aruch, in Shin Lamed, the end of Hilchah Shabbos, very important section there in Shulchan Aruch about refuah on Shabbos, about um, all the necessary healthcare laws related to Shabbos. The first is, is, is the leniency, which is that you may do things like umadlikin laner. You may do things which are perhaps extraneous to the immediate medical requirements right now. That's included in the, the orbit of what's necessary to be done for a woman who is giving birth. Um, and, um, however, he says that at the same time, you have to, if there are other options, meaning if there are ways to do things less of a, a, of a Chilo Shabbos, then one does it if possible. So, as example, driving a car to the hospital is a, is a biblical um, transgression of Shabbos. Getting a taxi is a rabbinic. If there's not going to be a difference in time, then it would be better to get a taxi than it would be to drive. That's because driving, every time you're hitting that accelerator, that spark plug is going. That is a biblical action every single time you're doing that. Whereas, when it comes to a taxi, you're transgressing what's called Amir al-Akum, where you're having a non-Jew doing the work for you, the biblical work for, um, for you by driving. That would be preferable. Again, if there's no time to be had, then of course one does what's necessary. But then, again, it's not always the same situation when it comes to plan, planning this out. But before we get there, you need to know what to do. And in a lot of times, it's not so obvious. The, the contractions have started. How far apart are they? How intense are they? Has the water broke? Are there any other symptoms? And for that, you don't always necessarily know yourself. So the first thing to do is call the doctor. Right? So that's the most important thing. Is it's important first thing to do is, is to call the doctor on Shabbos. And then the question becomes is, so which way, what is the best way to do it? Should I be trying to do this as a shinner? And the answer is not really, because you're going to just end up making more blunders. And then you're going to have to have to really just call. Better to have a speed dial, which is great. So you just to hit one and hold, and it goes straight to the doctor, and, and speak to the doctor. And the doctor will advise from then, oh, okay, being as the situation is this, being as we know that there, there, there's a gestational diabetes, being as that, um, that, that, that the baby is big, being as the baby is small, being as you haven't felt... All those go into the consideration. The doctor will say, you know what, we'll wait, wait a few hours until, or the doctor will say, I think you should go right now. That's the most important thing first, first that happens, and, and, and uh, that, that needs to be done on Shabbos. Now, technically speaking, if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, the Shulchan Aruch says certain benchmarks, three benchmarks as to when it is that a, that a woman is in, enters the category of a Chola Shiesh Bosakana in order in to, 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 to facilitate getting to, to, to the hospital. However, today with all the complexities and with our knowledge, which has now made it more, it is important to realize that even at an early stage where perhaps a woman is not in active labor, she just doesn't know what stage she's in yet, then at that point in time she should call the doctor certainly who will advise as to what the next stage is on. So if he says, just keep walking and call me when, then at that point in time she's not in a Cholish Shabbat yet, but then she'll wait until that point. Why could she call? The answer is because she's certainly in the case of Cholish Shabbat where rabbinic, where rabbinic laws are suspended in that case, that's the call. 
and then she would uh, she would wait until the time the doctor advises where she feels that there's something wrong um, or she feels that there is an urgency herself would go to the hospital and then that, that that's when the whole process starts as well so what about what about the husband the husband generally speaking of are, um, are kind of like left hand shoes when it comes to <laughs> this whole process they're very useless in this whole process but nonetheless so what what should, what should the husband um do um during this process is he allowed to go to the hospital the answer is for sure and part of that is is because Part of called tzrachel, which is a concept in, in Alacha, of all the needs of that person is having somebody there to advocate and to support at the same time. You cannot be in this health system today without an advocate. It's dangerous for a person to be in a hospital by themselves. I mean, certainly a person who's, who's going through active labor. Now, there might be an add-on. There might be mom, doula, right? A sister. There's other people who might also be there as well. But if it's going from the house or the apartment and husband is over there, he should be going with her, not separately, because the Chilo Shabbos is on her behalf and the, the needs of her, her needs are going together with him as well to the hospital as well. So the question is, is there a preferable um, way to get to the hospital? So when the time comes, the answer is yes. Yes, it should certainly be a taxi, not a, uh, a, a not driving if, again, time time dependent. You know, there's, there, there, there's sometimes where it's, you know, you get to the hospital and so it's, it's half an hour from there. And that's, you know, you don't want to be in that situation where you're going straight from triage into the labor and uh, d- uh, delivery. So, but, but assuming that, that things are progressing at a regular rate and, uh, and you, 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 get to, you get to the, how do you, what's the preferable way of getting to the hospital? So today it's, it's so much easier because we have Uber, right? Um, and, then there's a, and then there's a regular taxi. And regular taxis in a certain sense are getting harder to find. Technically speaking, it would be better to minimize Chilol Shabbos. So if one has the capacity to call up a taxi service before Shabbos, and one has a relationship with a taxi service, and calls up before Shabbos and says, um, look, how much does it cost to get from here to North Shore, to South, uh, South Nassau, to Winthrop, to whatever it is that, 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 one, is, that, that one is going to. Um, and uh, and it's, it's a $35 fee. So, and one could have on speed dial that taxi company and say, I'd like to call tomorrow. When I call, I'd like to, to send a taxi of $35. We may want to put the tip in over there. Um, we're not going to say what we're doing these days. Um, you know, they, they start off with 25% these days, you know. But, um, but as you put the money in an envelope, you put it on the outside of the bag. Yeah, and this way, there's one call and that's it. Whereas Uber, it's always more complicated because then you're, you're typing in and you, you, you have to take the phone and it's a whole thing. So if that's possible, that's certainly preferable. It's not always so simple today. It's not as many, as many taxi services and they're not always so easy to facilitate. But I would do that as well. I know there's actually, a, there was a doctor in our shul who had to, who, who, was, uh, who worked in oncology, he had to work in New Jersey. And so, and he had, he had calls on Shabbos, so he would have to go out early Shabbos morning. So he had a, a standard, he had a set driver who would, who would always take him, but then he found out that this particular driver in Lyft was Jewish. You have to like, <laughs> so you had to be anti-Semitic to say, I, I just don't want a Jewish driver, right? Because you, <laughs> you have to make sure that you're not, you're not being taken by the Jew. But be it as it may. So organizing a little bit of pre-organization is helpful. And even if something like even getting, even if one is using Uber to have it in one's address book as well already, yeah, just the simpler it is, the less to have to worry about later on is, is better as well. Um, then, um, the question then is, is, is the following. What happens if husband is in shul and I go into in labor? This, ha- this happens a lot of times and around Yom Nuraim this comes up a lot. Is, so, so I'm worried that husband is going to be in shul and, uh, and, and something's going to happen. So the, the, there are lots of ways of solving this issue. And one is, is that husband should daven more locally. So he should be more available. 
And if there's a, a, a neighbor who one can send, that's obviously preferable to be able to, 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 get, a, uh, to, to get a husband out of shul. And if things are looking like they are you know, moving along, then maybe husband should daven at home if it's necessary, to, if, that, if, that, if that's a concern. Meaning, let's, let's plan, plan carefully. When this becomes more complicated is when you have longer davenings, like Roshan and Yom Kippur, and then, and then you know, she wants him to be davening. She wants to be davening, but she's concerned that then they become it becomes a little more complicated. It's a case-by-case basis. But I think some people just automatically take their phone. It's not so simple that that's, ne- that's necessary if the one puts the correct checks and balances that are in place as well. Now, what should, what should one bring to the hospital? So when it comes to the, la- the labor and delivery department, everybody knows what they need, right? So the, the slippers and the gown, everything else that, that, that's needed, that, that one should plan well ahead. Certainly once in the ninth month, there should be a bag which is ready to go. That's just a practical solution. But there's also called the religious items department, which is that one should also have the necessary things like a tehillim, like a siddur, like, um, li- like a plug-in uh, lamp for, for candles, like um, grape juice and, and three rolls to be able to get through Shabbos in case that's the situation. And one should have that all set so that there's, there's less to worry about later on when Shabbos comes in. If there are muksa items, really technically speaking, it's better to have those out if not necessary. Um, for the for the process, um, so it's it's a one stop um, option as well. What happens when you get to so oh one 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 extra s- uh, step is um, is what about let's say the taxi a taxi arrives so it is important to remind the taxi driver that that he uh, he or she should open the door because every time you open the door that's open, switching on the lights and same thing with closing the door so you 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 take a more of a regal attitude to your uh, to your travel. And you ask them to open the door on, on, on either side. And when one gets to the hospital complex, it's important to realize that uh, sometimes a hospital is not enclosed and therefore is not in the Eruv. And that being the case, you can't carry your bags out. Um, so therefore you would ask that, uh, the taxi driver, if you wouldn't mind just helping us, we're, in, it's, you know, it's, we're, we're a neighbor, if you wouldn't mind just uh, bringing them into the, the hospital as well to avoid that issue. On this side, if one's in the suburbs and there's an area of great, if one's in the city and then one's in an area where there's not an area of one, will have to have that on the other side as well in order to be able to facilitate that as well. Um, what about the elevator? So most uh, metropolitan hospitals in, in the New York area have a Shabbos elevator, which is, which is great, so wait for that. But then it also, again, there's the, there, there's the notion of it also depends how far into labor is this? How, how fast is this progressing? If it's the Katz Women's Hospital in, let's say, North Shore, which is the third floor, right, and one's in a position to be able to, uh, to, to go up, go up, don't, don't, don't use the Shabbos <coughs> elevator. If we're talking about uh, something which is, the, the labor's progressing, this is just not possible right now, or the, the floor is, is too high, then use the Shabbos elevator. If there is no Shabbos elevator, the Shabbos elevator is out the Shabbos. Um, so what, what, is, what, what does one do? It would be best to wait for another patient, and one can assume another patient in the hospital is a Chodesh Hesh that's why they're there. And you wait for them to go into the, the elevator. And of course, most polite people these days will ask what number. And you can, you're, you're allowed to respond what number it is. But it would be better to wait for another patient going up in such a situation as well. Of course, if, if there's an immediate need and there's that, that the, the situation doesn't, it doesn't exist, it would be better. One can go in the, in the elevator and hit with a shinui. But that, that, so to speak, there's a triage. There's, there's stages over here of, of, of preparation. Signing documents. So these days, they've they got a thing called the hospital tour, right? So you don't just go to hospital. You go and visit it a few months in advance and they show you where everything is and they take you on a tour and there's a dedicated person. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Um, and so going to hospital today is much more planned than it used to ever be. 
And that, that being the case, so at that point in time, you say, what are the documentations that you need from me already? So pre-sign everything. All, most of the documents can already, be, can, already be, uh, can already be submitted. However, there are certain things that need to be signed then. And that's not always so simple. Sometimes you can convince, uh, convince the, the, the staff that we can't, uh, it's, uh, it's our Sabbath, is it possible to do this afterwards? And they'll be lenient. But a lot of times, for legal reasons, the hospital will not be willing to go in that direction. That being the case, so <laughs> you have a choice to make. And, um, and if the choice is get, getting medical services or not, then one may do it, but it would be better to, to sign that with a shinu. So it take, taking the pen, it's having it protrude from backwards from one's hand and sign upside down. Right? Uh, it would, would, be, uh, would be preferable in that case if it's in order to facilitate starting the process as well. What about my phone in the hospital? So it depends. Again, if one's stuck with Uber, then it's probably a good idea to have the phone in the hospital. But if it's just so to make it easier afterwards, that's not necessarily a reason, right? That's, there are ways to cope with getting back from the hospital afterwards. They do have phones in hospitals. It is possible to fa figure out things without it. Um, and so it would be better not to um, if it's just for the after as well. If there are perhaps needs like that might be immediate, as an example, let's say one's going to the hospital, and the doctor one's, one's, the doctor one sings, the, the OBGYN needs to be called and, and they have privileges but they know, might want to wait until such a time that, 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 that the labor has reached a certain point to drive in, then one should take it because that's for the needs of the khala at that situation. If that's not the case, the doctor's going to be there or is just not going to be there and there's no specific we'll call medical gain at that point in time, Harder, to, harder to, uh, to, 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 to require that because that's not the immediate needs of the person who's, who's there. What about taking showers? So that's for sure that all the, the will speak, so to speak, comfort needs of going through labor and delivery are allowed, certainly during the process of, um, of, of active labor. Um, what, this, is a, this is a tricky one which most is, is harder to explain and harder to do. And that is contact between husband and wife. So this most people are not aware of um, is, that, is that when a woman is in active labor, at a certain point, that she turns into a state of nidda and the husband and wife cannot have physical contact. When is that stage? Um, so one of two options is that either when she's not able to walk again, but usually that's not necessary, necessary to even get to that point, is when there's bleeding, and there's lots of bleeding, right? So, so at that point in time, she would be in a state of nidda, um, and the husband may not contact would be in contact with which is which requires planning because first of all it's the time when one would want to be most supportive and holding hands and to and to to, to be helping in such a way which is why again in in, in Judaism it's it pays if there's going to be a doula or is going to be somebody else who can fulfill that we'll call it physical support role whereas the husband with the emotional support role these are important things to plan ahead because there'll be such a time which also dictates another important piece and that is where is dad standing? You know, so it's, it's important that, that, that it's it, it, a, a husband and a wife who are, when they're in a stage of separation because of being in a, sta um, in a state of nidda, the husband may not be uh, looking at the woman when she is immodestly dressed. And so watching the birth directly is not appropriate for, for the husband. Um, the best case scenario would be for the husband to be behind the bed, by the head of the bed as well as things are set up, if, if possible, if, that's, if, a, if that is a, a possibility as well. And this requires dexterity, it requires planning and discussions beforehand as to, to so, as so as to understand that there's as much support as is possible, but there's also limitations in that uh, as well. Um, what about calling the nurse? Like, so a lot of times you're like kind of abandoned in these institutions, right? And they kind of like, you know, do their thing and then they, off they go. 
And so, and now you really need them and the epidural's not taking and, and I'm worried about this. And there's all these things that happen. And so how do I get the nurse? So when it comes to, um, when it comes to during labor, one may call the nurse directly. If it's postpartum, then when it, uh, at that stage in time, it's still state of cholesha, shame, or sakana, one should try calling. But if that is to no avail, then, then one should do with the shinoi to, to hit that, that, that button to be able to, to get the nurse. But if this is an advocate, it's easy just to go to the nurse station and say, my wife needs X, my wife needs Y, she has a question about Z. Um, what about a, the protocol for letting family know, members know that the baby was born on Shabbos, right? So my first, ba- uh, my first child, which we were blessed with, was born at 12.55 a.m. On, on Friday night. Yes, that was a short labor. Um, and, uh, and so the question is, is, what about, can you like call the answering machine, like tell the nurse to call the answering machine? Mazel tov, you have a grandchild. And the truth is not really, that's not the needs of Shabbos. Meaning that's not the needs of the Choyla and that's not the needs of Shabbos at that point in time. In fact, for us, it was a very beautiful blessing to have 18 hours of personal time before the rest of the world would know and, 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 and reach us about all, all the Mazatovs and considerations and plannings and everything else that's going to come. That's part two of the series. <laughs> and we'll get to Shalom Zachos, Timchat Basses and, and, and Brisses. That's later. But at this point in time, it's, uh, the, the ability to save that moment, it's not necessary. It's not a need of the Chola. Now, here's a, here's a thing which I would imagine that most, most parents, most new parents, certainly do not know, and it's good as grandparents to remind children of this as well. Is there a bracha? And the answer is yes, there is a bracha, absolutely, upon the birth of a child. And um, if for, for a boy, the bracha is hatova metiv, for a girl is shechianu. These are brachas which both the parents should be saying um, when they're able to have the ability to first hold that child. Most people don't know this, most people miss this out. For the Sephardim, it's a little easier because what they do is, is they place the shechianu later on at the, at the, or the Hatometiv later on at the bris. So w- when it comes to Ashkenazim, it should be done. And it's never, never too late, I don't, I don't believe, but, it, uh, but it, it, these are brachas which somebody should be aware of as well. Which leads to the next bracha, which is the Birkas HaGomel. Going through such a situation is a very, very humbling experience because you realize that this process is not elective, right? This, this process, once it starts, there's no going back, right? There's, it, it, and, and it's terrifying because it, it, you realize how vulnerable you are at this process when, you, when you're getting on. So I remember when I, when, when, when I went to our first Lamaz class with a group, you know, little group of, of people, uh, and we were, all, we were all due around a certain, you know, like, you know, five-week window. And one of my friends who was like at the later end of the group said, you know, it feels like I'm waiting at the theme park and everybody's getting onto this roller coaster and it's terrifying, but everybody walks off smiling. You know, so, so the, you know, the, it's, it is terrifying. So you get out of this process, it's, it's a remarkable process. And it, to, to see the, the, the miraculous, the, the miraculous process is, is unbelievable. So now let's say a, a, a person comes out of this, a woman should absolutely say Hagomel. Now it happens to be that there is a little debate, should she wait seven days, maybe she should wait 30 days um, as to when to say the Birkas Hagomel, should be the first time she comes back to shul. Um, and, uh, and the truth is, is, um, is that really when the opportunity presents, she should really say it in a, in, in a minion. So I would recommend that um, in, if a woman is up to it at the bris, that's a beautiful time to be able to say it. Um, generally speaking, with a Kriya shame for a girl, usually mom is not present. Just it's too early and, and, things, and it's early in the morning, it's, it's complicated. Although I have had such a suggestion, we had one just recently, where a mother was, was, was present for the naming of her daughter, which was very beautiful. And she said, Berakas it's a wonderful thing. And she's able to be out there and to say Berakas that's a that's an incredibly beautiful thing. 
There are some women who are not comfortable with this. that the husband would say on behalf of the wife, the wife is not comfortable. The husband can say, but it should really be in her presence. And if it is in her presence, when she comes back to shul, he would change the nusach to hagomel lechayavim to us shigmoleich. It really depends on. I would say it depends on the wife. She's the one who has the responsibility of acknowledging this, and that she should set the tone for this as well. There's many halachic options in this. The question which comes up every, all the time is just, and we're going to sort of stop in this space over here, is um, is nursing, um, and so it, it becomes this is this in and of itself is a is a is a whole new um, parasha for, certainly for for new mothers. And the question which comes up actually got last erev shavas, um, which was um, what about nursing into a bottle? What about nursing into a bottle for this child? So. Uh, at, the, uh, at, at the hospital, there's usually a lactation expert who comes and spends time with the new mother and it tries to help out. And um, it's, it's a whole new process that can be very painful for a lot of people. What happens if a mother needs to nurse into a bottle in order to feed, feed the child? So it depends. So when it comes to Shabbos, um, the truth is, is that mothers can nurse children on Shabbos. That should be an obvious thing. That, 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 that's, that, that's, that should be obvious, right? But the question is, is what happens when one's not nursing the child, one's nursing into a bottle, into a container, and the, um, uh, for whatever reason. So reason number one could be is the mother is not nursing, whether it's, whether it's a, a choice or just she cannot or there's issues. And so the baby's now on formula and the mother is now pumping in order to A, alleviate pressure or B, to store as well to, for, for the child as well. So how does this work? So it turns out that actually nursing itself, nursing not for the child directly, um, is actually a transgression of dash, right? Um, which is a, 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 uh, um, one of the prohibitions on Shabbos if it's not directly for the child. So it depends. So if it's a situation where mom is not nursing and it's mostly formula, but she's also she's also freezing and uh, freezing the milk for the uh, for the usage in the in the coming weeks, and she's going to be going back to work in six weeks, and she wants to have a supply. And in that case, that that would not be allowed on Shabbos. Like you're done the rest of the week, but she's not allowed to nurse to store on Shabbos. If the situation is she wants the baby to have mother's milk, but the baby the baby is having trouble with lactating, the baby itself cannot attach at the beginning and so therefore it needs to be through the process of bottle but she does not want to use primarily formula she wants to use her milk to serve to, for the baby's sustenance and in that case it is all right because it's essentially a vehicle to nursing the baby on Shabbos itself um, so that being the case that would be the, the decision and this is always a difficult one because let's say it's the former of those options the baby has enough to get through Shabbos, but it's, it's, it's difficult to waste milk because after all, that's going to be a store which is going to be very helpful later on. That stop part is not allowed. Shabbos is not allowed to be used to building up a, 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 a stock. And so in that case, it would have to be, the, it, it, it would not be allowed to store. Why would she be able to nurse into a bottle she's not feeding on Shabbos? That would only be allowed if it's to disengorge herself because the pain and the pressure of the buildup of milk. Then she would have to do it, but she would have to throw that out. What some, some suggest is put like a little bit of dish soap into the bottle so that it automatically spoils, so that you're not going to be storing that milk on the, on the process of Shabbos if it's not directly for the baby. If it's the baby on Shabbos, that's fine. If it's for afterwards, it's not fine to be done on Shabbos. How does one do that? So there are three options, of course. Um, one is by hand, that's just to, just to release the pressure. That's not very efficient. There's hand pumps, which are fine on Shabbos, and there are machines. And um, the machines are actually allowed in the situation, but the way it should be done is, is the machine should be set up on a timer. So whatever the, whatever the, the, the interval is, a three hour timer, 
and um, and it's it's set to go on. So it's nine o'clock, it's twelve o'clock, it's the, uh, three o'clock, all the way throughout Shabbos. And so the machine is going to go, and it's attached to the machine. The machine is going to go on um, at every interval for let's say the half an hour or however much is necessary. So in such a case, the the woman should attach the equipment before it goes on. So she, so one plans one Shabbos in such a way, and then in that way one can. Um, can nurse in a more efficient way and be able to, if that's going direct to the baby, great. And if not, it's going to, um, that milk is going to be disposed of and not used as well, just for the, for the sake of the mother to keep her milk as well. So a lot of different, we'll call little nuances that relate to this particular per particular stage in our locker, which are a lot of things are not talked about. I'd like to conclude um, um, our, our learning today with a observation which is made by Rabbi Jonathan Sachs, which I think is really a really profound observation, which is that in the Torah, if you carry on reading as we start with Parshish Tazria, that if we're getting, well, we're not going to address the Tumentara stages after the postpartum. Um, there's a lot to talk about there, but there is a korban of uh, Yoledes. A woman who gives birth brings a korban in the times of the biblical era. She would bring a korban. And it seems to be that, 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 that a lot of the um, commentators understand that to be as a some form of kapara. And the question is, a kapara? She has just brought life into this world. What in the world is she? Why does she have to bring a korban? A korban is usually some form of debt or guilt. Why is that the case? So there are, the, the, the classical commentators have many suggestions, um, and everything resonates with people differently. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar and the Klayako, for, for instance, suggest that this relates back to the state of being in a post-Eden world, right? So we all live in a state of complexity, we'll call creation two, after the sin in Eden. So in that reality, we the, uh, men are, um, are are, uh, are punished when living in the state of Bezeas Apecha Torah Alechem. And the, 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 so to speak, the Eden 2 or the creation 2 when it comes to women, uh, to, to women is Betzar Tel Dibonim, is the pain of childbirth. So we're, we're commemorating this is the, the, so to speak, actualization of what happened in Genesis 3. That's going back all the way back then. This is the, the pain and the difficulty of this process is going back to that stage. That's what's being, that's what Rabbi Bechaya says over here. It's a, a state of being which we hope will be changed as we enter, so it's back, back to, to creation one in the, in the future. Ibn Ezra says that on a more psychological note, is that in the, we'll call it certainly in the pre-epidural days, when a woman is going through that amount of pain, there are, there are going to be thoughts that, that, that I go through her mind is like, never again, <laughs> never, never, never again. It's funny because like around, that's around the two-year mark because you start to say, you start forgetting and you start saying, oh, they're so cute and they're wonderful. They start talking now and you're like, oh, this is wonderful. You forget, you forget, thank God we forget, right? But, but during that process, during that process itself, in that immense pain, in that immense pain, then at, at, at such a time, Thoughts might go through a person's mind saying, never again, that, and that, that, that itself is a negativity <coughs> to the fact that one would never want to, to be in such a situation again. Ebenezer says that it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a reframing or a kapora for that as well. The Ramban says, no, it's nothing to do with kapora at all. This is an expression almost of the hagomel, the ultimate hagomel, which is, thank you, Hashem, for allowing me through this process to come out the other end to be a life giver. Thank you, Akash Baruch for allowing me to be able to do this, that's what the carbon is about as well. The Sforna says, no, it's um, when a person goes through this process, it is supremely physical, right? It is supremely an experience of the material. And one wants to, needs to recalibrate one's life that it's not just about the physical childbearing, but it's about the spiritual upbringing of this child. And the carbon is there to, re, re, so to speak, reacquaint us 
with the other aspect of this life, which is meant to be it's not just physical survival as well. And the Rav Meir Simcha Dvinsk, who is the, um, who is the mayor, the Meir Shechachma, the, the Or Sameach, um, observes that it's like a Korban Olas Ri'iya. Because as she, as, as a woman exits the stage of childbirth, she's going to go back to the temple. And this is the, so to speak, the recognition of her ability to enter the temple again, that's a biblical times, to be able to, to appear in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu after having gone through this. Without addressing the Tumantara, Rabbi Sachs makes the observation that he quotes a Gomorrah, which is in Sanhedrin, where it describes when HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself did, we'll call it the creation process. Our childbirthing is a microcosm of the incredible power and potency of creation itself. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted to create human being, um, it said that he consulted with the Malachim. And there are many versions of this conversation which is had. So the first, the, uh, this, the, the Gomorrah Sanhedrin, Dablam Ches Beis, describes HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, Na'aseh Adam, consultation, the celestial palace, and he says, should we create the human being? So the, the, um, the angels say, well, let's see the transcript. Like, you know, let's, let's take a look at the historical context of what's going to happen with this. And they said, well, no way. No way. Look what they're going to do. I mean, there's a lot of good, but like, there's a lot of bad. There's a lot of risk that comes with this investment. So, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu destroyed those malachim. So then HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates a new set of malachim, new sets of agencies of power in this world. And he says, should we create human beings? And they say the same thing. Let's take a look at the future. And they're like, my goodness, not a, not a chance. HaKadosh Baruch Hu removes those angels, creates a third set of angels and asks them again. So the angels said, look, we understand that we can say no, because that's the, uh, the answer. But if we say no, we're going to be wiped out. So do what you want. And so HaKadosh Baruch it's an amazing negotiation process. HaKadosh um, Baruch creates the human being. And then comes the times later on in history. There's a generation of the flood, and there's bestiality, and there's anarchy, and there's all these kind of things. And the angels turned to Hashem and said, wasn't this what we were talking about? Wasn't this what we're talking about? And, uh, and the, the Gemara describes that Akash Baruch responds and he says, uh, uh, quoting the Pasuk in Yeshayahu, is that Akash Baruch says, even in old age, uh, even at a later stage, I'm going to, I'm going to still bear them. I'm going to still bear the imperfect creation of the human being itself. Rasak says, transpose that conversation in a certain sense to parenting, to parenting itself, to bringing a life into this world. And, and certainly anybody who's been a parent for, for, for a while understands the immense vulnerability of being a parent. The vulnerability of now having somebody that one has to care about the rest of one's entire life. One's going to always, always be emotionally tethered to this person. And, but, and, and, and one is vulnerable through that. But more than vulnerable, one's also responsible. Do you, do you know that this, this human being is going to be a contributing member to the, to, to the context of this world, to humanity? Is it going to uplift the world? Or could this child be a destructive force in the world and, and, uh, and, and, and um, destroy the foundations and create more bad than good? That's, a, that's, big, that's a, the coin's still in the air as it spins, right? And there's a lot that we try to control, but there's a lot that we don't have the control over. And as a parent, so to speak, like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is parenting humanity, is stewarding humanity into the world, we as parents have that same danger, or that same feeling of fear and risk as you bring a child into, into the world. And like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we say, you know what? There is great risk in this endeavor. We don't know what the outcome is going to be. We don't know how long this life will even be. 
but we're trying, we're taking that risk, like Hakadosh Baruch Hu did. We're going to, we will try the best. We're going to pray, and we're going to beg, and we're going to do everything to invest in this, in in, in this child. That they should be successful. They should be well. They should contribute. They should elevate this world. They should bring more light into this world. And that's, in a certain sense, the parallel to Hakadosh Baruch Hu's creation and love brings us to irrational risks, which is what we, what we take. Bringing a child into the world is an irrational risk in today's day and age, certainly. But it's a risk that's worth taking, like Akash Baruch took the risk on us, us as imperfect people who continue to make mistakes, but continue to validate our creation. And that's why, says Rai we bring this particular korban at the end of this, is acknowledging the risk that we took, but still validating the fact that we have the capacity of that creation as well. So closing this full circle in terms of just so the birthing process, some of the technical aspects of it, some of the more philosophical aspects of it, what do we have to look forward to now? Now we move into actually celebrating life. Why is the Shalom Zachar, a Simchat Bat, a bris? All these pieces that are going to be coming in the next stages, Bezra Hashem, looking down us at the road, we have options. We have a lot, a lot of, a lot of uh, opportunities to, to be learning Bezra Hashem. I thank everybody for, for coming. And what I'm going to do is I'm also going to ask, uh, I'm, going, I'm going to now hand out for anybody just a, a brief, um, uh, a brief summary of this, uh, um, of, of what we did, if this is helpful. And I hope that this is something which will elevate our experience and for those in us who have people going through this as